this episode of Point Forward Podcast, the SoCon Sessions, Episode 2. Um, I have my co-host, John Hooper, once again, to discuss the six teams that we didn't get to in the last episode. Um, what we discussed was kind of myriad of things, a preview of all the teams, um, Sanford to VMI, in that order, um, of, the, of the coaches in the media poll. Uh, we differed on a few consensus things, but I think that's what makes this episode so interesting is the SOCON itself is getting better. Sanford and Chattanooga have gotten better. I believe Western Carolina is the fifth best team in this league. I think um, John agrees that the, the pieces are there uh, to make a run, um, but it really is going to run through that big four. Um, and uh, we're, we're excited to talk about some stuff. We got into some silly stuff and it went long because discuss six teams versus four from the last time so um really enjoyed it i love uh talking hoops with john especially socon hoops um more to come hopefully to get some coaches interviews before the weekend before the, the start of the season so enjoy socon sessions episode two um as we review the rest of the league have a great day Welcome to uh, the Point Forward Podcast special episode, the SoCon Sessions Part 2 or Episode 2. We will be discussing um, the, I don't want to say the bottom six, but the the other half of the league uh, outside of the big four, the the last few seasons as my co-host John Hooper, who will join us here in a second, um, will attest to. The majority of the SOCON runs through ETSU, UNCG, Furman, and Wofford. So what this episode is going to discuss is we're going to let John kind of uh, get into the weeds of what what do these teams need to do to kind of crack that top four. And if there's a possibility, if, if you look at the SOCON conference coaches poll, Chattanooga got, or Sanford got 48 votes, um, which is only four behind Wofford. So there's some traction there. Uh, Chattanooga is one that I didn't agree with. That is six. Western Carolina, seven. Mercer, eight. The Citadel, nine. And VMI coming in last with 10. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to bring in SoCon John, John Hooper. Um, and we'll just start right off the bat, man. We'll, we'll, we'll go with, with the fifth team in the preseason coaches poll. Um, mm-hmm. there's, some hi- there's some history here, though, with Sanford. What I mean by that is three years ago when UNCG won the, the SoCon regular season title outright, um, and lost mm-hmm. to ETSU in the final. They were picked fifth in that poll. So, is there? Can you conceivably see a way where Samford um, not only gets into that top big four, if you will, but even you know surprises some folks and breaks into the top three or two in this league? What do you think? Well, I mean, uh, what they have coming back, I think you look at immediately um josh sharkey who i think is you know maybe one of the quickest guards in college basketball um not only at the mid-major level but um you know talking to coach uh scott paget uh before the season at the at the media day he seemed to he seemed to talk about you know limiting his turnovers was a big big thing for them this year i think one of the things about when you talk about josh sharkey is 
he's not known for his shooting ability, but he's he's a tremendous uh, scorer, and he can get to the basket. Um, and sometimes he needs to trust, uh, I think, his teammates a little bit more. Um, but he's a tremendous uh, athlete in, in, in and of itself. He's good on the defensive end. I mean, this is a guy that we're talking about that had 86 steals like last year just behind, I think, uh, just maybe second or third in the conference behind Isaiah Miller um, for UNC Greensboro. So um, a guy that can definitely, you know, pick your pocket. He had 239 assists last year, which I think led the league and was like fourth or fifth in the country. Um, and so he he can do it in really all phases of the game. He can do it on the defensive end as well as the offensive end. So he, he was up there in scoring as well, averaging 16.3 points per game. The other guy that I think in their backcourt, and um, you know I think you would agree with me because you watched the, the tournament game there in uh, Asheville when they played UNC Greensboro. I thought Brandon Austin really impressed me um, during the, the Southern Conference Tournament. Um, Austin, of course, a, a transfer from the University of Alabama. He's kind of a like a 6'4", 6'3", uh, wing guard, kind of long. Um, seems to get his hands into the pass, passing wing well. But I think the thing he did the best last year, as far as you look at him as a player, was, was you know, he was right up there in the conference and shooting from the perimeter. He hit 89 three-pointers and was shooting 41.4% from three-point range. So uh, I think really an underrated player in, in Brandon Austin. Um, what, what do you think about that? Uh, I, I agree. Uh, I agree with every um, wholeheartedly with everything you said, Shark. Uh, as coaches would say, um, you know, uh, Sharky's a problem. <laughs> he's a problem to yeah. deal with on the offensive side of the ball. He's a he's a pesky defender and even though I hate using that word as an as an adjective it, it, it suits him because of his stature um, he's not a big guy even though someone like Isaiah Miller is probably the same height as him maybe an inch taller Isaiah is built mm-hmm. more like Eric Bledsoe whereas Sharky's built more like Steph Curry um, you know what right, I mean like right. the, it's just the, the body type doesn't doesn't jump out at you but man he's a bulldog uh, no pun intended uh, for their you know their mascot but one of the guys that I really loved and I kind of fell in love with this kid and his in his passion and just his maturity as a freshman now coming into sophomore year is Robert Allen um, in, in, in their loss last year to UNCG in the um, the uh, SoCon tournament uh, I sat in the post game and listened to Scott Pageant uh, talk glowingly of Robert Allen and how amazing this kid is while he was sitting to his uh, to his left and then he spoke and it was just like wow this kid is what 19 um, mm-hmm. but he, but not only not only just the way he he was uh, eloquent on stage but his his play like he's he's a streaky shooter he's six foot eight he's hella athletic um, I think uh, I think he could be a really big difference maker if he's made that leap from you know mature freshman to now experienced sophomore um, and again six eight in in the SoCon with athleticism. I mean, we're talking uh, Noah Gurley. We're talking uh, James Dickey. We're talking um, Jerome Rodriguez. I mean, he's in that fold as being one of the the most the, the elite athletes uh, in the league. No question about it. And Robert Allen, of course, is the is the player that that hit that 
that shot that really beat uh, Furman last year, that three-pointer. Um, if you'll remember, they came back. They were down 10, 10 points about, uh, I think, 404 left. And that was a, a, a big win for Sanford, probably maybe one of the biggest wins they had all year, going to Timmons Arena and getting a win and really coming from behind in that game. And I thought Robert Allen to be a, a young player, a freshman, to step up and make that shot uh, was just um, – that was huge. I think when you see a guy do that, you know he's mature. You know he's not scared of the moment. And I think that was uh, that's what you saw about him. And not only that, he's you you made a great comparison there with with Noah Gurley. He's athletic, like Gurley. He, can, he is not scared to to step out and and shoot the outside shot. He's going to be asked to do a little bit more this year, though, because Ruben Guerrero, the big seven footer. Um, is now has now graduated, so sure. you know he was one of those graduate transfer situations, and that that's going to be, I guess, the only starter they'll be missing this year. And you know he averaged thirteen point five points per game and eight point four rebounds. But I also think he was sort of like Dickey in that he was a, a rim protector for uh, Sanford. He had sixty nine block shots last year, but also had nineteen steals. So. Uh, they're going to miss that presence in the paint, I think. Uh, but I think that they, I think Scott Padgett's good enough coach and cerebral enough to to kind of compensate for for the loss of such a, you know, you don't find many seven footers that are as skilled and athletic and can do a lot of different things as, as Guerrero was able to do last year. And so I think that was a real luxury for Sanford. Um, but they do have some guys coming in. I think, um, you, you know, they've got a couple of transfers. Jalen Dupree's one of them from Murray State, a 6'8", 235-pound forward, and I'll have two years eligibility remaining. So, I, you know, he's he's a guy that um, I think he's eligible right away. So um, I want to say that he, he, he was going to transfer to Clemson, but it didn't work out last year, and he sat out the year. So, He'll be he'll be with uh, Sanford this year, and then um, they've got some guys that are returning. I know Logan Die was a guy that, that was sort of injured, uh, mostly. Or he got injured right at the beginning of conference play, and it really limited what they could do. And so I, I think that's another guy that you can watch as far as maybe being able to compensate for the loss of a Guerrero. Um, but overall, this team looks like a, a a team that could break through, right? They, they, you know, they had Wofford on the ropes last year. I mean, this is a, a team that was in Spartanburg and, and carried them. I think it was to double overtime before Storm, Storm Murphy hit that buzzer beater uh-huh. uh, to, yep. to beat them. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. Uh, before we move on to chat, um, Sanford, really talented team. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing if they can make that uh, next step. Maybe challenge Wofford for that four spot. Um, which are, which are, you know, these are all important areas because it, it helps your seating um, in the SoCon tournament, uh, makes makes the path to the potential title game a little easier. Um, mm-hmm. And one little nugget, I think, I mean, I, I, he looks just like him unless it's a nephew or something like that. I think Scott mm-hmm. Patchett's son is on his team. Am I wrong? Um, I believe Lo- that is Lo- correct. Logan Pageant from Homewood, Alabama, six foot six freshman. It's pretty cool. I believe, yeah, that that is pretty cool. Um, you know, it's and you don't see many of those situations 
um, in college athletics, which I think is really neat. Um, you know, the kind of the, the father-son duo. I think it happened uh, at somewhere else in the conference not too long. It may have been um, at Chattanooga a few years ago, but I can't exactly recall. But uh, it's a really neat situation. And, you know, you just wonder um, you wonder what kind of playing time he'll see or, you know, if uh, <laughs> I always think about the, the old – the whole thing is, uh, well, you know, if you didn't play your son the whole game, um, but uh, nah, he, he uh, he's a new recruit, and I, I'm sure he'll he'll come in there and make things interesting for them. They've got a, you know, they signed a nice class this year, and yeah. I, I think I think that uh, what they've been able to do is recruit as well, which is really shocking to me. Is they don't draw real well there uh, down there at the Pete Hanna Center. Um, yep. But but they they do create, and, and Scott and I talked a little bit. Coach Padgett and I talked a little bit about this at media day. You know they have this weird schedule where I, I think this is, I'm right by saying this, but they have like an international studies. Uh, you know you can travel abroad to, to study, and it happens right after uh, I believe right after Christmas. So during right. conference play, a lot of their student body is gone uh, on those, uh, you know, to, to do those internships and whatnot over as a part of that international business program or whatever. And it, it really hurts their crowd because you, you see during non-conference play, they get some pretty good crowds in there. But I, I find it fascinating that he is able to deal with all that and, and rec- on par with, with the rest of the league as well as he does. And he's done that. Uh, routinely ever since he's been at Sanford um, so kudos to him and I think I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Sanford play because I do think they are they're super athletic uh, they're fun to watch I mean they're worth the price of admission yeah I don't uh, I don't disagree um, okay so let's tee up Chattanooga um, get mine going here um, this was a surprise to me where they are at six, I had I had Western at six, and um, the reason why is listen, I think David Jean Baptiste is a good player. Um, Ramon Vila is a transfer from Arizona State. Um, AJ Caldwell uh, is another transfer, I believe, from Fairfield, Connecticut, sitting out um, until the fall. Um, they have six freshmen. Uh, mm-hmm. They lost. Well, actually, five because even on their roster, they still have Kevin Easley, and he's playing for. Um, I forget what uh, TCU. Very good, thank you. Um, so that's that's the biggest surprise to me of all these of, of, of the of the list uh, of the poll, I should say, because man, you lose your best player who was just so happened to be a freshman to a transfer. Uh, it kind of demoralizes your team a little bit, and I think um, Mont Paris is a great. I think he's a good young coach. I just don't know if he's going to have enough. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I wish all these guys great. I hope I hope the league is super strong this year, um, top to bottom. Uh, but I, I'm not sure. What do you think? Hey, you with me? Shoot, I think I lost him. Yeah, so... I'm sorry about that. I'm back now. I don't. I don't know. It just dropped the call for some reason. But, it's okay. Um, um, so I, I I know it was recording. So I'll just uh, real quick. What, 
what do you think of this of this the Chattanooga roster? I think they lost too much. They've got too many new players. Uh, even with um, uh, coach uh, Coach Paris, is, is, is even though he's a good young well, coach. Your your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think Coach Paris has had to deal with sort of the same issues as uh, Scott Paget has, right? Because he loses. Um, you know, he loses so many players really in his first couple of years there as head coach. And now he's got to replace, you mentioned Kevin Easley, who's now at TCU. He's got to replace Jerry Johnson Jr., who um, had transferred the end there from, from Fairfield and then now actually is at Arkansas State. Um, so the one player that I look to be their leader is sort of a uh, two guys that return are David John Baptiste and Jonathan Scott. Those are going to be two kind of glue guys for them. Ramon v- uh, Vila, as you mentioned, from Arizona State. Um, another one of those players uh, of uh, you know foreign players that, that have come into the league. We mentioned Guerrero a minute ago um, that have had such an impact, really. And, that, and that's been another storyline we can look into in a later podcast. Francis Alonzo, Guerrero, and uh, Ramon Vila. So, um, yeah, I think he's very skilled, just like that. That's kind of the European game, right? Um, guys that are very skilled, they're very cerebral. They're the big men there, can handle the ball, they can shoot. They've got good men range games. So, I think one thing that uh, Coach Paris would like probably to to um, to see out of Vila is and be a little bit tougher, and, and to to not uh, commit so many. Um, just really, I know when they played Furman last year, he 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 felt like he was committing some senseless fouls against Matt Rafferty because uh, I actually sat right behind him and, and watched him coach. So, um, but I do think this is a this is a different Chattanooga team. They've got a guy named Trey Dooms who's coming in a transfer from um, the uh, West West Virginia, and, and he's gonna he's gonna make an impact right away. Also, um, they've got a newcomer uh, from Vanderbilt who actually transferred to Vanderbilt um, from Notre Dame, and that is Matt Ryan. And some some publications have picked him as the you know kind of the newcomer of the year in the Southern Conference, um, if you if you want to go with that. But Matt Ryan, he's a six seven, two hundred and fifteen pound graduate transfer, comes from Vanderbilt. He's a you know, he was a pretty good player there and, and, and a guy that can step out and shoot. Um, so I'm interested to see him play. I, I think that uh, they've, they've done well to kind of manage the loss of easily, but it'll be interesting to see um, how they they are able to, you know, recover from the loss of easily. I think that uh, he was a player that could really challenge you in a lot of different ways, but if Vila can get a little bit tougher and, and you know stay out of foul trouble, and I think if, if if Trey Dooms is as good of an athlete and as good off the dribble as I think he is, I think Chattanooga is going to surprise some people. Whether they crack the the top four or five, I'm not sure, but they'll be challenging right there for for that uh, buy in the, the opening round of the Southern Conference tournament. Are you uh, are you going to give me a hot take and say that they're gonna they're gonna Get jump jump a couple people and get in that top four. <laughs> huh. um, nah, I don't think so. I don't think they. I don't think they jump. If anybody's going to do that, I think it's going to be Sanford. In my 
honest opinion. Um, I, I think Stanford, what they've got coming back is just uh, – and, and they were able not only to, to be competitive with those top four last year, they beat Furman on the road. So I, that would be the team I would pick. But, you know, Chattanooga is going to be right there too. I, I think, you know, for a buy in the opening round of the Southern Conference Tournament, those top six teams are huge. That, you know, that's a huge buy because – um, I think it's like 1931 was the last time a team yeah. without a bye won the Southern Conference Tournament. So, um, and that was quite. So, um, okay, so let's let's move ahead to the number seven team in conference uh, according to the preseason poll. I had Western Carolina almost at five for me, and here I think that they are the team, not Sanford, not Chat, and I'll, and I'm going to give you a couple reasons why why Western Carolina is my pick to potentially be in that upper echelon top five uh, club, if you will. Um, number one, Carlos Dotson. He's an mm-hmm. absolute beast. Um, six foot seven, 270 pounds. If I could message him on Twitter, I would tell him, which we've had some fun back and forth because he's a good kid. I think, kid, I, yeah. I think, I think he should because he's got great hands and he's tough as nails. I mean, does this guy have a future as a tight end in the NFL later in life? I mean, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, he loves the game. He almost um, reminds you of an Antonio Gates, doesn't he? That's, well, he's bigger. Antonio Gates is 6'4". Um, he's 6'7", 270. He reminds you of Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> he's an absolute <laughs> well, yeah. physical monster. Um and but let's but that's here nor there. Let's talk about his basketball acumen. He's legitimately dominated uh, some of the best defenders in the league on a one-on-one stand, mm-hmm. standpoint. But here's the reason why I like them better than say Sanford or uh, Chat. No disrespect to um, the coaches at, um, at at either of those universities, but I think Mark Prosser is not only his um, background with his dad, his his. Um, his father, God rest his soul, Skip Prosser. Um, mm-hmm. the, the dude has the, the chops, if you will. And he also has what? some players. He's got some players this year. So let's – Matt Halverson, uh, absolute sniper to go along with Car- Carlos Dodson. I love um, Cameron Gibson, smoothest silk, mm-hmm. mid-range game. Not You don't see it a lot. Surprising Douglas. to me that he was not on any of the all-conference. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, but it, but here's the thing though, and this is what this is this goes to show you about how strong the SoCon is. I think from top to bottom, and in, in some ways, that even though some of these teams that kind of bring the conference down from a rankings perspective, they're also playing a lot of these buy games where they just get absolutely thrashed, and over time, that really hurts your team. And it's no disrespect to these guys the way they schedule; they got to do what they got to do for their athletic department. But I love this team. I think I think they're going to beat. UNCG, they played really well against last year. I think they have a chance against them to split. I think they have a really good chance to split with Furman. Potentially ETSU, they could sneak one at home. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think they could split with almost everybody in this league and, and potentially yeah. you know, beat beat some of the the, the lower rung, in my opinion, the VMIs, the Citadels, um, twice. So to me, I right. think having twelve a 12-win 12 conference for Western Carolina would be monstrous, and I think that would put them fifth. That's that's my that's my hot take for uh, this second episode of SoCon Sessions. I just like their roster, and I think their coach. I think Mark Prosser is fantastic. No question about it. And um, you know, I 
I think, uh, you know, I, I said Sanford, but I, it wouldn't shock me if Western Carolina was there because I wrote about it in, in the offseason that they they really are kind of the dark horse um, for that to, to break into that maybe that top four and then and knock up maybe like a Wofford or like a Furman or somebody out of there out of the top four. I think it could be Western Carolina, uh, even though I, th- I think them and, and Sanford are very close, in my opinion, as far as, and really, and let's be honest, it's not going to be a, e- a year like it was last year. Um, no. it, 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 you know, the top four are going to take some losses, I think, this year to, to the teams we're, we're talking about today. You mentioned Carlos Dotson. Boy, he was, uh, I think he was a top 50 in both double doubles and rebounds per game and offensive rebounds last year in the nation, um, you know he he was uh, averaged 9.5 rebounds per game, which was just behind uh, Jerome Rod- uh, Rodriguez for East Tennessee State. And you mentioned Matt Halverson. You know he was kind of playing out of place last year. He was asked to do a lot of things that uh, at point guard that he wasn't used to, but he's not going to have to do that this year because of a guy they've got coming in that'll be eligible um, from another very good program in Northern Kentucky, and that's Mason Faulkner. He'll come in and he'll make an impact right away for them at at guard, and he'll take pressure off Halverson and allow Halverson to be the shooter he is and and to kind of not have that responsibility on him once again this year. And I think as a result of that, you'll see Halverson's numbers go way up and he'll have his best season as a catamount uh, this this uh, coming winter. So I, I, your thoughts on that? I, I thought, you know, Halverson, even with the, the added responsibility last year, I thought he handled it well. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. Uh, I know in the games that I saw him and Cullowee and then also at uh, in Greensboro, he had, he had big games. Um, and it took a Francis Alonzo. Yeah, yeah. It took a Francis Alonzo step back three uh in overtime to dispatch uh, a Western Carolina team that I thought was gaining some momentum as the season uh, went on towards the end. And I think that's what I mean by, um, you know, listen, momentum is a, is, a, is kind of a silly term because it's, it, you can't really, um, you can't see it. You can't, it's not something tangible, but we all know how that works in sports. Um, look at, like, look at the world series right now. Uh, the nationals win six straight games, uh, including the NLCS. And then all of a sudden Houston wins three straight. So, momentum momentum is a silly but it's also it's also something that um i think we all can kind of feel i think western has some momentum they have the right coach in place they have a good recruiting class this year and um i just i I like i like their weapons that's that's the key man like you you can teach defense you can teach situational uh basketball but you got to have guys that put the ball in the hole and they have it yeah and and the one guy that i would kind of single out here and, and really has stuck out to me and what I've seen on YouTube is he's a comparison to actually, I think a little bit to Isaiah uh, over Isaiah Miller at UNCG and that's Travion McCray, the 6'1", 176 pound freshman out of Timmonsville and Villains, Village Christian in South Carolina. Um, kid is a flat out athlete and he plays with a little bit of an edge to him, which I like, uh, you know, and he, you know, he's one of those guys that uh, just is, uh, really great athletically can he can create his own shot and, and create off the dribble and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Travion put on the purple and gold this year um, for the Catamounts I think he's one of those guys that, that will end up you know impressing some people uh, for the Catamounts this season 
I don't disagree there at all. Um, all right, let's transition. Number eight team in conference, according to the coaches in the media poll, is the Mercer Bears. Um, so, Mercer, first first thing you got to do is you got to start with Ross Cummings. But you, but from the from the players' perspective, but I think what you also have to do is you have to talk about the loss of my man with his sweater vest and his in his turtle his black turtleneck. Um, we all know him and love him as 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 Mr. Mr. Technical is no longer in the SoCon, and I'm a little I'm a little sad. Uh, I'm a little he sad was the that Johnny Cash of making Georgia. Yeah, man, I'm I'm a little sad. You know, he, I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss him dropping f bombs and then um, and then telling opposing coaches to watch their mouth. <laughs> uh, no, I like I like Coach Hoffman. He was uh, oh, I do, I do. I'm I'm, I, I, I'm I'm busting chops because I coach. Listen, Bob Hoffman is is a legend. Uh, I, I I had an off the record conversation with a coach in the league, and he was just like, "Man, if you could fire him, he's like, we're all we're all essentially on the chopping block because he I mean, how many wins does he have? Six hundred something crazy? Yeah, um, he's got like over six hundred. I think he won a six hundred game last year, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't. And, and I don't. A, go, ahead, go, ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say he he's he's kind of really changed the face of that basketball program. I mean, if we look at it when he got there and how, you know, after I think Mark Sloniker was the head coach who he succeeded. Um, and they had some good years there with James Florence when they went out and beat uh, Southern Cal one year. I think that was 2003. But they really hadn't had any su- sustained success. Uh, they did uh, towards the end, really uh, last four or five years as their membership of the Atlantic Sun. And then they they make the transition into the Southern Conference, and really that that first year, you know, they were pretty good. And then um, they they had the unfortunate situation um, with Jabri, Jabri Bryan, who was um, senselessly gunned down at a gas station there in Macon, and that was that kind of I, I felt like that kind of changes the dynamics of that program because it, it's just so hard to, to deal with that as you know as the players and coaches because they love these kids and you know those those players love one another so things I think uh, changed a little bit after that and, and they weren't really the same but you, there's no uh, you can't underestimate how much of an effect he had on that program and I think over like the previous decade they had more wins in the state of Georgia than any other um than any other basketball team in that state, which is which is saying something. I know it's a football state, but when you when you look at the the Power Five schools and some other like a, a Georgia State, which is you know they are they're always impressive. Um, to say that is 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 pretty neat to me, and I think that is a, a glowing reflection of what uh, Bob Hoffman meant to Mercer and what he's done for that basketball program. I think he left it in a better place than when he got there. I don't disagree with that. Um, Greg Gary is, uh, you know, he's had 26 years of division one experience. Um, he worked uh, under Matt Painter at Purdue, which is, you know, uh, speaks for itself. I think Matt Painter does a great job over there at Purdue. Um, I think, um, I think it's going to be a tough year for them. Uh, but, you know, listen, coaching matters and he could, you know, install his system. Um, you know, get these guys where he needs them to be. Um, my thing is, do they have 
anybody coming in that's going to be a real game changer because to me i might be in, i think i'm in the minority here but ross cummings to me is um he's a good player but he's not um mm-hmm. he, he doesn't do anything for me in terms of you know create he creates his own shot but i don't know in that bob hoffman system they have so many offensive sets it's kind of hard to see what 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 kind of player this kid could be i'll put it that way uh i'll be very not necessarily pc but i just don't i just don't know enough about the kids individual game because of the motion offense that bob ran so i'm interested to see what kind of um what kind of freedom this kid is given under greg hardy so so jeff gary i'm looking at their roster i'm assuming that he's related to coach gary so we've got two player uh players that it oh, yeah, look at that. um so that's pretty pretty neat um i don't know i don't know if any other conference could would be able to say that but uh it'd be interesting stat to look up but like yeah like i said he he was kind of um you know ross cummings obviously we know how good of a shooter he is and how how um explosive he can be as a scorer the question is that it was like um they were so reliant on him last year uh, Makai Bender is a forward that'll be eligible. He's a transfer from from West Virginia. Um, the six eleven, two hundred and five pound, or excuse me, two hundred forty five pound uh, player. There, he hails from Warsaw, Poland. Uh, I think he'll be a little bit of a dis- difference maker. I didn't think their their big guys last year were particularly skilled. And man, I think the guy that I'm thinking of, which name escapes me right at this current moment. I think it was Fardal's Amac, if I'm saying that yep. right. He was. Right. I, I didn't think he was the most skilled big man in the world, um, you know. But he was a big body. I think that's what Bender will give them coming in this year. They'll have some, you know, some veteran leadership. What I'm interested to see is, is you know, what what will Gary will Gary bring a sort of a Big Ten mentality to the SoCon, you know, and and, and you could say that a little bit with. Uh, Steve Forbes at ETSU because of their size. It's more of a, you know, a Midwestern brand of basketball. And so I, I'm wondering if Gary will try to build his roster similar to that. And I believe they've got a couple guys coming in next year like Felipe Haas from South Carolina that will be difference makers. Yeah, um, I don't disagree. Um, I like uh, one of my favorite players on their team, and I just I love saying his name is Georgi Dimitrovich uh, from <laughs> Serbia. Uh, he just seems mm-hmm. giving, giving them some good senior leadership there. Um, I think he'll make a difference along with Ross Cummings. So that backcourt itself will be difficult to deal with. But I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, I, unless uh, Bender can, can be a difference maker down low, um, and, and this Greg Gary staff can, you know, essentially surprise a bunch of us, uh, I think they're going to be where they are. Um, and so... With that, we're going to go to the Citadel. Um, pick yeah. ninth in the league. Um, let's see here. Uh, this is exactly where I had them. Um, I don't necessarily know if you thought that this was appropriate for them. I could see them being above Mercer, um, but they also lost. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they lost. They lost. They lost Lou Stallworth, which is which is big. Um, they lost. Uh, where's my man here? They lost everybody. Wow. Yeah, they lost. Uh, Nashawi. Nice Nashawi. Nice um, 
yeah, they'll have now they'll have Caden Rice will be back. Uh, so he'll he'll uh, I mean that'll yeah. that'll benefit him a little bit. Um, in the fact that Kalen Harris will be back, but you know still like Harris two years ago his for for whatever reason it may just be minutes and injury. Um, his kind of production went down a little bit from what it was. Uh, I want to say it was a couple of years ago, but the next man really is for for the Bulldogs is Caden Rice, and he's the leading returning scorer, 11.3 points per game, 3.1 rebounds per game, and he also he shot 36% from beyond the arc, which is pretty good. And I think one of the things he'll do is present some, you know, he's a good wing guard. He's sort of like a what I would compare to maybe a former Furman player, Daniel Fowler, but a little bit bigger than that. Um, but but a very good athlete, and I think someone that that is a street shooter, streaky shooter. If he gets on fire, it's going to be hard to stop him. And I think they're going to, you know, they're going to look to him and probably Hayden Brown down in the paint. Um, he spent a lot of time out of games last year or the last uh, year, or two years really because of injuries uh, he averaged 7.2 points per game and had uh, I think five rebounds per game so um, it's going to be they're a little bit different uh, last year you know Zane Najdawi was not a, a big guy but he could his ability to shoot the basketball and, and to step out and to be a, a kind of a, a what was he like a Sixty percent guy in the paint, and like forty percent guy beyond the arc. Of course, coming that was coming into last year. Now his numbers went down a little bit last year, but I think a guy, another guy to watch is Jerry Higgins the third, who will be taking over that loose Stallworth role at point guard. Higgins, if you'll remember, played against Sanford in this uh, Southern Conference tournament, uh, and this is interesting. Um, Josh Sharkey who he played against in that game is such a good uh, point guard. I was talking with the uh, Citadel's great SID, Millage Austin, uh, who was telling me that um, he was talking to Jerry about that game, and he was like, you know, you're, you're going to play against, uh, you know, Sharkey and all this, you know, and Sharkey's a Philly guy. And, and, and um, Jerry's like, oh, well, I, I played against him in high school. Uh, it's like no big deal. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. He was like, no, I played against him twice in high school. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so in some kind of uh, tournament they played in. So um, they know each other, but very similar style of basketball. Um, and I think he'll, his quickness, uh, there's going to be, I will say this about the SOCON is the quickness at the point guard position this year will be you know comparable to to maybe the best years in the socon at that position there are some very jet quick point guards in this league um really at each school and i have not seen it that way in, in quite some time so um i'm excited to see guys like higgins guys like um sharky over at sanford alex hunter obviously isaiah miller i'm, I'm excited about this this core that we have of, of point guards in the league this year. Um, I'm going to transition because you just did a perfect uh, recap of Citadel. They have three graduate transfers I know zero about. So I think they needed to do that to kind of um, fill out their roster, which I'm, I'm glad that some, some coaches are taking advantage of. Let's go to uh, the, per the team that kind of came in in uh, last place in the SOCON standings um, in the preseason poll, which is VMI. Um, mm -hmm. 
you can't talk about VMI without looking at Georgia Tech's men's basketball roster and seeing that Bubba Parham is no longer on that team. Um, he was the biggest reason why they put some scares into ETSU and UNCG last year. Uh, and really every team in the league uh, averaged over 22 points a game in, in so conference. So part of me, 21.4 points a game, a um, thousand point score, had 38 points mm-hmm. against Western Carolina, February 23rd. There's just, uh, that's why 40, they're. He had a 40 point game in the, in the SoCon tournament, 41, I believe, against Western Carolina. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not so, mistaken. Look, um, 41 <laughs> points against Western in the opening round, nine of six from three. Listen, the kid the kid was special, especially in such a small frame. But I don't blame him. He's an Atlanta kid. He wanted to go back home. And, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of players, and one of the reasons why I like the transfer rule the way it is now, is every time you get a 5'9", 5'10", kid who can really fill it up and score, um, he doesn't get a lot of looks from high majors, mid-majors, anywhere. So I'm not saying yeah. that you, you settle for um, – you know, a, a VMI type school, but let's face it. I'll, I'll give you another story of someone that I become friends with now that he's, you know, not necessarily a player anymore. He's playing overseas in Iceland is, is Marvin Smith. Marvin Smith was one of the best players in SoCon history of recent memory, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He, yeah. He's, talking, he, talking about he's a six, like blue, he was a yeah, blue six guy seven, a six, seven wing, six, seven wing guy. Um, he did. He did a podcast with me and talked about how the only two schools that were looking at him his senior year, before he did a, an extra grad school year um, in high school, was VMI and one other school. I don't remember which one it was, and it wasn't UNCG. Um, so mm-hmm. th- that's a guy who ath- athletically, you look at him, you're like, that guy's a player. So what about these guys right, like right. Bubba Parham? So like, I feel. I feel like I just wanted to take that time to say, you know. It's almost like kids now will take a scholarship to play somewhere so they could showcase their talents. And then if they want to transfer, a coach will, coach like at Georgia Tech will snag them up because they're like, oh, he can't play at this level. I was wrong. Um, and I think, well, that's, I think that's important. It's funny you should mention um, Marvin because they have a player almost identical to him in terms of athleticism. Really one of the most athletic players in the league, and that's uh, Miles Lewis. Um, a guy that, you know, averaged, I guess, uh, 10.5 points per game and five rebounds a game. Very good defender, very good slasher. Um, has a good mid-range game. Um, and he really can create. He's one of those guys that, that's, again, that you'll find at a lot of conferences in mid-major basketball that is not only a great athlete at that size and can create his own shot, he can play. Really, he's, he's similar also to Bo Hodges. He can play a, a variety of different positions. Um, very, I think one of the more uh, more athletic players and wing guards in the league. I think he'll step his game up. I look for him to have a really big year um, if he can just, you know, he, he while he was on the floor last season, he, he took almost I think thirty percent of their shots. If my my math's correct here, if I'm looking at their stats, but um, you know I. I think he will have to, to, to step up. Greg Parham, I think, you know, is a guy that, that stands out to me. He averaged seven a game last year, and um, he'll be a guy that will probably be asked to 
step up his scoring. And then a guy that didn't get a whole lot of playing time but was a pretty good recruit out of the Knoxville area, Connor Arnold, will yeah. uh, get uh, he'll get some some uh, more playing time. Very good shooter. And also, I, th- I think one of the things that made them so good uh, is the, their ability for their big men to kind of step out and hit that that three pointer uh, as they did last year. You remember Jake Stevens? Uh, I think he was an all freshman uh, guy from this uh, VMI. And yep. He was a thirty four and a half percent three point shooter. Uh, it's not bad for a six nine even, center. Yeah, and then we didn't even mention their really their best on the ball defender as uh, Garrett Gilkison, um, a guy yeah. who played guard and. You know, averaged nearly 11 a game and uh, 6.2 rebounds per game as um, a 6-4 guard. He's a he's a hard matchup um, for four uh, opponents. Um, but before we before we put a bow on this, I, I also want to mention this: um, VMI and the Citadel have some really special challenges that the other schools don't face, and I think that's right. a one of the biggest reasons why kids wouldn't want to go there because it's harder i mean let's face it unless you have a uh, a um you know a family a military family or you are um you know overlooked by a school that you maybe think that you you know are are meant for um uh-huh. that's how some that's how some of this recruiting is done by guys like dan earl and coach duggars um and and that's you know it's it's similar to college football i mean you really have to be a special kid to want to play for navy to want to go to school right. there and, and also be a, a college athlete, whether it's um, any sport. Um, and, and they have these special, and that's why I, I've been, I talked to a couple coaches, a lot of these teams, that's why I thought the Citadel coming out of the gates last year strong was almost uh, mind boggling because yeah. ty- typically the, the, the military institutions come out slower because of all the, the, the boot camps and the things that these guys go through early um, in, in, in the, the season. Like right now, UNCG, A&T, the places in Greensboro here that are mid-majors, coming off a homecoming. Like, everyone's having a party. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. these these institutions, I think it should be said and noted. That's what I think that also is what makes the SOCON special. Um, mm-hmm. It's just kind of the this this uh, this uh, crazy kind of hodgepodge of geographic, but also different types of institutions. Um and uh, I think our new commissioner at this in the SoCon mentioned that on Media Day, so I wanted to echo that. Um, real quick, give me your, you know, hot take. Sure to go wrong. Your conference champion, your player of the year, your defensive player of the year, and your eventual tournament champion. Assuming that it goes the way it always goes with it being a one-bid conference. Go ahead. Okay, so are we starting with? Um, well, I think my. We'll just start with a conference champion regular season, I think, will be um, East Tennessee State. I think they'll also uh, win the tournament. No surprise okay. that, that I would think that. Um, surprise team. Uh, you know, I, I, I say Western Carolina, but I could simply because I don't think Sanford, if they were to finish in the top four or whatever, would be uh, that much of a shock because of the, the talent they do have. I um, I don't. However, I do think that Western has talent that no one has seen yet. So yeah. I think that makes them a little bit different in terms of being a, a dark horse that could break into that top four. So I guess we kind of agree on that. Um, player of the year. That player of the year. I went with uh, Isaiah 
Miller from UNC Greensboro. I, I think. What about? What about defensive what player? What about defensive player of the year? Uh, that's something Isaiah won last year. Um, do you have anybody? I have someone else in mind that I think um, wins that uh, wins that distinction. I think if I think I, if I had to go with one um, right now, I think the best on the ball defender when he's healthy, and aside from Miller, uh, I, I think if I'm going to give it to somebody else, it's just tough to match up against. I'm going to I'm going to give that award to Bo Hodges. I think he okay. is a guy that um, that is so tough to go against, and 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 I think that uh, he, he, you know, a lot of times it gets overlooked because. A lot of these guys have so many steals or blocks or whatnot, but I, I really like Bo Hodges and what he does when he's fully healthy. Um, okay, so my picks are, um, I think UNCG is going to win the regular season, but ETSU is going to win the tournament. Um, I think they're going to split that, very similar to three years ago. Um, I think ETSU, it, it, I think they're a deeper team, but I think what UNCG is going to be able to do a little better in the regular season is um, I think they'll split um, maybe home and home, away and away. It doesn't matter. Um, I think UNCG has shown that they can win it in, in Freedom Hall, so that's not a surprise. Um, but the reason why I go with that is I just – and people are going to say I'm a homer, but I, I, I actually think ETSU is the better roster. But for, for whatever reason, my gut feeling is that ETSU – is the hungrier team because they haven't been there in a while. But I think UNCG's team is just young enough and just stupid enough to not care. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. they're, they're, this is not a senior-laden <laughs> team. Yeah. I mean, they're they're they're, they're young, dumb, and just uh, unbelievably talented. Uh, I think they could, yeah, I think they could really go on a and I say dumb in a in a in a in a loving way because you know right. yeah, it's like it's like when I listen to Coach Miller talk about freshmen. You know, as much right, as he right. loves the Langleys and Rico and all these guys, they're still freshmen. They don't know. They don't know their ass from their elbow. You know what I mean? Like, let's just right, be honest. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, that, I think I think, and I also think you could throw firm in that mix. But if I'm being held to the fire, I go UNCG wins the regular season title. They will get knocked off by ETSU in the final, or um, lose early to Furman or Wofford. I'm not sure, but I think ETSU goes to the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah. I go Isaiah as as conference player of the year. And my defensive player of the year is another little guy. I'm going to go with Josh Sharp. Yeah, and, and no, no, uh, I mean, really, I can't, you know, disagree with either one of the guys we take because I know yeah. Josh Sharp, he's a tremendous guy defensively on the ball. He's just so quick. I mean, I, I really honestly, he, he might be the quickest guard in college basketball. I mean, I, like, yeah. there's, there's, I can't even think of a guy at a power five. Maybe, um, the, the Waters kid at LSU was pretty quick last year, but like other than that, that I just saw play live, um, I, I couldn't think of a, a guy quicker than Josh Sharkey. Um, I'll tell you right now, you know who's I, I think I think this year is going to be so much fun, and we're going to wrap this up in a second. But what what I'm so excited about is these these five players to me, and you add Sharkey and Isaiah Miller to this mix. And I know that Furman has some really good players, but the, the these five players that are all outside of Isaiah and and Josh are Trey Boyd, Patrick Good, Davion Williamson, and then the Langley twins from UNCG. If you put an all speed team together, those five guys would be with with Isaiah and Josh Sharkey would be. Uh, I'd love to see a forty yard dash between those seven guys. It would be, you know, speed personified, quickness, 
you know, fast twitch muscles, uh, athleticism, the ability to jump, the ability to create your own shot. Um, those those guys are worth the price of admission. And I'm missing, and, and I know there's some bigger guys that are athletic, like Noah Gurley. Um, but those guys, from like the stature perspective, I mean, I think I think Trey is the tallest one in that group. He's like six three, six four, and also mm-hmm. talk about an all, um, uh, you know, uh, just personality team. That 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 group right there Short between, line. yeah, between between their between their ability to just be good basketball players, but they're just really good citizens like I've, 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 I've met... never seen a guy affect a team like Jordan Lyons like his belief and that team like is the one th- I mean this is like uh, like to, to you have to really be around from and to really understand it but like he 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 picked guys up you know last year in practice sure. and during the season uh, just because you couldn't help like the most negative person in the world he would he would make them you know smile like that kid is you know a gem of a person and i think an outstanding score of the basketball i think he's going to be uh you know up there for the scoring title in the socon this year i think uh he'll 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 set he's he's going to set the all-time three-pointers made at Furman. Uh, i think this season uh, and his other goal he told me during the offseason was to be a a 40% uh, three-point shooter, um, not only this year, but for, for um, you know, I think he's got a shot to do that for his career as well. So we'll see. But I, I'm sure he's going to break some records uh, three-point shooting-wise. And he already has, obviously, last year um, with 15 in that game. So he would be my my guy that's kind of like the uh, – he's like he's like the, the engine guy, you know, um, that kind of makes everyone else better around him. And um, just for the person he is and the basketball player he is as well. But, uh, yeah, I would I would give that distinction at least. He would be leading my team of the all-personality team would be Jordan Lyons. For sure. Um, I think you, could th- you definitely throw um, Isaiah on that list with the havoc he creates uh, defensively. Mm-hmm. But – you look in that guy's eyes when you're playing basketball, and uh, I, I can't imagine not trying hard uh, on the same court as Isaiah Miller. Um, yeah, I would say the same thing with someone like Patrick Good. Not as you know vociferous of a leader, but God, I mean, what a good kid. Um, you know, coming off an injury, um, you know, I think I think you could probably say the same thing about Josh Sharkey, Carlos, Feist, Carlos Dotson, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, but also for, and the coaches too. Like, I mean. Last thing I'm going to say, and let's let's wrap this up before our before my recorder kicks us off. Um, my my favorite my favorite thing about the SoCon so far is the the coaches themselves not only have been so generous to people like yourself and I with their their time, mm-hmm. but they're good they're good people. I mean, how many coaches text yeah. you about saying, "Hey, thank you for covering us at Media Day"? Not a lot. Right. So, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Uh, so I want to give a shout out to um, the SoCon coaches and their SIDs who do a fantastic job. And um, that's it, man. Let's uh, let's let's do this again next week. We'll um, we'll try to get we'll, for everybody that's kind of following this. Uh, John and I will try to get a, a podcast maybe the day of um, opening night, if you will, November fifth. Um, if not, we'll maybe we'll do a post mortem of, of the SoCon teams and how they did uh, that fifth and sixth, or you know, a couple days after or whatnot. So there'll be a, there'll be at least one episode a week. Also, look for any other uh, point forward podcast stuff that I do. Uh, trying to get some coaches interviews um, 
And I think what we're going to try to do, guys, is get a player of the week or a coach of the week to come on with the both of us um, to do something like a, even if it's a, like a quick segment in the middle of the podcast. OK, so again, uh, thanks to John Hooper for being the co-host of uh, SoCon Sessions. And thanks to our sponsor, um, SCW Security Systems Professional Cameras, uh, www.getscw.com. Go check them out for any of your security needs. John, always a pleasure. Yeah, man. Uh, I had a blast doing this, and I can't wait to, to talk about it each week during the season. It's uh, it's really going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. Uh, we'll talk soon, and um, everybody listening, uh, subscribe to my podcast. Go follow John at SoconJohn22 on Twitter. Uh, find him at Midmajor Madness on Facebook. Uh, pretty much anywhere. Just type in SoconJohn, you'll find him. Uh, <laughs> you guys, uh, peace out, and everybody have a great week. Later, John. Later, man. Have a good one. Too bad. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, I think you heard me in the recording. Uh, that episode was sponsored by SCW. It's a security camera warehouse uh, and alarm system uh, company out of Asheville. They are a um, homegrown mom and pop company that has been around for 10 years they are um, wonderful with customer support uh, have some of the best uh, camera equipment in the world they uh, do premium grade pro grade cameras for residential as well as commercial and they will also help you with your alarm system at your house similar to an ADT but let's put it this way they do not uh, take any of your data um, anything that you record is your own Nothing is stolen from your uh, cloud recordings, similar to Ring or, or other um, uh, places that, that use security as their, their backbone. Uh, SCW is, again, local in Asheville, and we're happy to have them as a sponsor. Um, go check out their website at getscw.com. That's getscw.com. And um, tell them Mark Zanetto from Point Forward Podcast sent you.